back to Wait, What? Sports Biz Chat with DP and McGee, the podcast with global reach, mind you, that takes a fresh look at the sports industry, sometimes irreverent, sometimes cynical, and sometimes serious. I'm your co-host, David Paro. And I'm Tim McGee. So we're heading into one of the great, great weeks of the year for sports fans, the opening of the NCAA tournament with the men's first four games being played on Tuesday this week and the women's first four games being played on Wednesday, which of course leads to a crazy amount of college hoops over the rest of the week and weekend. But, um, you know, let's go ahead and get going. Tim, what's on your mind? Well, I, uh, I would like to welcome back Tom Brady. Tom, we hardly knew ye and hardly missed ye. Um, he, uh, he announced he is not retiring. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to the person who spent $518,000 at an auction to buy the supposed last touchdown, the ball used for Tom Brady's last touchdown pass. Um, you got a nice paperwork there, pal. Yeah. Um, I suppose if you have that much money to throw out at that type of, uh, um, you know, vanity gift for yourself or for someone else, maybe, uh, yeah, I don't feel I don't necessarily feel that bad for him. I would think he would be very motivated to make sure that Tom Brady doesn't throw another touchdown pass, <laughs> which would probably mean he's talking to a number of defensive linemen right now uh, about what it uh, about what it might take. I listen. I um, I think this is about the least surprising thing, uh, as I like to say, the least wait what moment I've seen in a while. I, I am not surprised by this. Um, I think he looked around and said, you know, football is his life. And I don't know how much he says he has more to accomplish. I'm I'm not sure. Obviously, another Super Bowl, I suppose. He's already got him, you know, every everything else. Uh, I do think he was not going to be a good broadcaster. He doesn't have the personality of Peyton Manning. I'm not I, I'm sure he has the insight, but I'm not sure he has the communicative ability of Tony, Tony Romo or Chris Collinsworth or Troy Aikman. Um uh, and he doesn't have a he he doesn't have a voice. He's not a great he's not great vocally. And Boston people that I love don't come after me on this one. I, it's just true. So I don't I I'm not surprised at this. I can imagine a phone call. Hey, Brett Favre, it's me, Tom Brady. I was thinking about retiring. No, 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 no. Don't don't do that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I agree. It's not surprising at all. Um, I don't know what he has left to accomplish. Um, he has always said that he wanted to play until he, his words, not mine, uh, he either turned 45 or he sucks. And he didn't suck this year. Um, you know, they didn't end the season like they had the previous season, but um, he had a good season by all accounts. Um, he had to deal with some of the nonsense towards the end of the year with Antonio Brown. Um, but uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they're already favorites to win their division, but he's $20 million against their cap. So they're not going to have nearly as much flexibility as they thought they were going to have. Yeah. I did see there was a rather large bet that was placed on the Bucks winning it before the announcement, which certainly seemed a little interesting from a timing perspective. Hmm. So, I don't know if we'll ever find out who placed that bet, but 
Well, I guess at some point Tom will settle down and and run this business empire that uh, that we keep hearing he's he's you know behind. So, uh, but maybe he has some really great people doing that. I don't want to knock him on that. Um, I was gonna say maybe what he has left to accomplish is to make as much money as his wife. Yeah, <laughs> one of the few guys in the NFL who doesn't make as much as his wife. Right. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, though it's 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 fun, I guess. Um, you know, I think it was interesting when we spoke with Rini Anderson on one of our earlier episodes. We talked about this great new crop, Josh Allen, and and obviously Patrick Mahomes already has great success behind him, um, and some of these other young quarterbacks that are that are coming out and and will emerge. and And I thought it was a great year for that, almost like a passing of the torch. But mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers just announced his resigning with the Packers, and now. Uh, and now Brady coming back. So, I, you know, I don't know. Like, come on, let these young people shine. What are they doing? Yeah, I mean, if you recall, before last season, Rodgers didn't even want to come back to the Packers. And now he's assigning a three-year deal. So, kumbaya in, in Wisconsin, right? Yeah. I suppose. I suppose. Some What's on your people, mind? Yeah. Some, you know, obviously the – the baseball lockout was uh, was settled. Some pretty big changes uh, happening, and um, interestingly, that the executive committee of of players voted against accepting it, but the rank and file players obviously were ready to accept. So, floor salary was raised fairly significantly. That's a positive development for the player side, of course. A new bonus pool has been added. The the competitive tax, or what we often refer to as the the luxury tax got bumped pretty significantly, uh, which um, I guess just means that the Red Sox and Yankees will, will, you know, not have to pay out as much or as quickly. Um, Expanded playoffs, of course, Um, universal DH, which is pretty crazy. And um, uh, we're going to have sponsor patches on the jerseys uh, for the first time in baseball outside of the manufacturer. Uh, It has been a, you know, successful program, uh, I think, to say the least for the NBA, which is um, netted, uh, you know, what has been reported as 225 million with probably a, a presence value of higher than that, significantly higher than that. So, um, so, you know, listen, I think I even think the NFL is going to go this direction at some point, but they can play wait and see because they're not as, um, you know, constantly struggling for those those revenue increases based on some other things. Yeah, I certainly did not say, wait, what? When yeah. I heard that there were going to be jersey patches right. in Major League Baseball, that was a fait complete. Um, with regards to the to the leadership voting against, I wonder if it's because, you know, they were much more closely aligned and we're hearing a lot more about what Scott Boris was saying because Scott Boris was supposedly, you know, very much involved in in dictating or, or leading the 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 players negotiating strategy um, and uh, you know, the rank and file, maybe not being exposed to that on as intimate a basis um, looked at the deal differently than, than their leadership is, did. I'm, I'm glad they're coming back. There's a frenzy of trading and free agency signings going on now, which is fun. Um, you know, spring training games are starting. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit in an earlier episode. There's no, um, you know, the, 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 the powers that be outside of the fans um, never really stopped believing in baseball, if you will, right? You've got 
the Apple deal that we talked about for the for the Friday night games. Uh, I'm sorry for the weekend games and then NBC for the Friday night games on Peacock. Um, 18 games a year, two years, $30 million a year. So they obviously believe in the power of baseball, even if ESPN doesn't. So in those two deals alone, um, they're guaranteed, uh, Major League Baseball is guaranteed over $650 million over the next seven years. Well, right. you know, yeah, to, the, the NBC deal is two years. The, the Apple deal is seven years. Yeah, it's a remarkable development and one where, you know, if you're if you tend to side with the players when it comes to labor negotiations, you say, no matter what they do to try to make the business look bad, there is kind of this unending um, annuity, if you will, that uh, that keeps um, bringing more revenue in. But I, I listen, I think it's a great thing uh, for the for the sports overall. We're, we're going to need to test these these streaming platforms, see how well they can be monetized. One of the fascinating ones about Peacock, as I read, and you never hear this, right? Streaming is always something to make sure you're addressing the younger audiences in the way that they're viewing. This was a way to draw older audiences to the Peacock platform because baseball, you know, uh, in terms of that type of regular viewing tends mm -hmm. to be a little older audience. I thought that was a fascinating angle to the story. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the nice thing about baseball is you've got, 162 games across 32 teams, right? There is no shortage of games that can be parsed out among the various rights holders who are willing to step up and pay for it. Yeah. Well, the challenge is going to continue to be that baseball is a great locally consumed sport, right? It is, you know, the appetite does tend to be local until we get, you know, fairly uh, obviously into the, into the playoffs, um, even for people that are real fans, but, but seeing, as there's the accessibility to get these games on these different type of platforms, it's going to be really fascinating to uh, to watch. And and listen, I'm excited that these things are coming because you know these are the this is the wave, of course. Um, and you know, I really want to see how they perform. I want to see how they're produced. I want to see how people are interacting and engaging with them and finding out you know what new engagement uh, devices that Apple will bring um uh to the party what peacock will bring uh etc it's it's just it's such a fascinating time hey before we move on from baseball there is one thing and this isn't a gotcha trivia i don't you know i don't play that game like you do uh, um, you don't play it well like I do. I, <laughs> <laughs> so true but i was thinking about the you know the baseball jerseys and i wanted to see if you knew the greatest to date all-time baseball jersey sponsorship deal that's ever been. By what measure? By, by any measure. Baseball I mean, sponsor? Oh. Yeah. There's one, and then by which every other one is, is right. judged. Okay. Chico's bail. Yes. Chico's okay. bail yeah, I knew you would get that. <laughs> I knew you would get that. Uh, and, and I knew I didn't even have to like any, give you any sort of heads up that anything was coming. Yes. Yeah. And Chico, let me just Chico say, I did, I, did, I did misspeak earlier. There's only 30 teams uh, in Major League Baseball. I mentioned 32. So, yeah, where is, yeah, but, uh, where is and, Tanner and, when you need none it? of them are going to have Chico Chico's Bail Bonds as their sponsor. How great would that be? For, uh, By the way, if we I don't it's from the Bad News Bears. If, if yeah. anyone has not seen that movie. Uh, I feel sorry for you and go back and go back and watch it. Uh, perhaps one that might not be made today, but one worth watching. 
Yeah, Coach Buttermaker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So one more thing. You know what this week is. This is the week that it all shut down two years ago. And in a weird way, we're kind of not thinking about that. But um, this was this was the week that the, you know, that the NBA said, nope, it's it's shutting down. And then that was the first domino to fall. And everything went after that. Have you given any thought or have you been, has that been on your mind at all as we reflect back on these crazy last two years and see all the great things that are happening in the sports world right now? Yeah, I was talking about this with somebody the other day, and in some ways it seems like a lot less than two years, but in some ways it becomes a more distant and foggy memory as as time goes on. But I was in Greensboro, North Carolina for the ACC championship tournament uh, when things shut down on the afternoon of, of March 12th, right in the middle of the game. Um, and it, to, like you said, you know, the dominoes started falling. And, um, you know, here we are two years later and uh, things seem to have returned virtually to pre-pandemic uh, times in terms of restrictions and things except for Kyrie Irving, right? Everything seems to be back to normal. Um, yeah, crazy situation there with with Kyrie being able to buy a ticket and sit in the stands basically right by the bench, but not be able to suit up uh, and not have to show vax or anything. It, it, kind of a weird situation that I think we can all look at and say, okay, that's odd. Um, you know, rules were set as rules were set. And, you know, I don't necessarily envy the positions that, that municipal leaders and so forth were um, – uh, you know, the positions that they were in trying to figure all these things out. But it 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 did seem a little silly and ridiculous that he went into the locker room after and then they're suffering a $50,000 fine because of that. And that was just kind of dumb. Yeah, what a, you know, what a complete shocker. Stephen A. Smith went off during the Knicks-Nets game, Knicks game the other day about sort of the absurdity of it. And Jalen Rose was the voice of reason and, you know, basically said, yeah, Kyrie's – all he has to do is get vaccinated, and this entire thing goes away. I am assuming uh, we will figure out a way to uh, edit in some of the week the sports world died. Put out that—that's how I spent most of that week of uh, that is is crafting that uh, crafting that parody song. And I'm not, uh, and I'm not just saying this because we're co-hosts. I thought that uh, song was great, so you should share it or at the very least. Yeah. Um, share we'll get, the link to it. We'll get a little, we'll get a little bit into here. Maybe, uh, maybe as we go to our segment break and uh, get ready for our guest. Somehow they could make the dance and maybe my life could feel worthwhile. But then came word from Adam Silver, the sports fans got sent up the river. Bad news by the second, a nightmarish world unreckoned. I do remember that I cried. NBA got set aside Something touched me deep inside The week our sports world died 
So bye bye to all sports worldwide. Watching Netflix, Prime, and Hulu, but nothing is live. And good old games that just don't give the same high. Singing this would be the week that sports died. This would be the week that sports died. All right, we are happy to welcome a friend and someone I've had the pleasure to do a few deals with over time, Russ Spielman. Russ is a senior executive at GSE Worldwide and is one of the industry's leading talent marketing agents, working with a cadre of top athletes and broadcast talent from legends such as Bo Jackson and Steve Young to young stars like Dolphins receiver Jalen Waddell. And McGee, this one's for you. He even does a lot of work with one Nick Mangold. Um, and, one of my uh, all-time favorite Jets. And uh, current stars, tennis stars like Sloane Stevens. He's, he's, and listen, I think more importantly is I think that I nominated Russ once for good guys and good gals, Tim. So we're really happy to have you on the show, Russ. I am honored to be considered a good guy. I don't know if the people in this house would say that, but or probably the people I work with. But I'm glad some people. I got a few people in the outside world fooled. So I, I appreciate it. It's it's really cool. It's fun to see you guys doing this and to connect in this way. So thank you for including me. Yeah, we appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for coming on. Hey, you would want to start. You know, I, we're curious, given that this was the week that everything shut down two years ago, and it really kind of you know threw us all into a bit of a frenzy, <laughs> figuring out what was going to happen. How have things come back? And as you look at today, where is the business? Where's GSE's business? How's your business? How active are things? Are you back to pre-COVID levels? I, I'd say we definitely are. Look, the company. A couple things there. I mean, we're very fortunate as a company to be diversified. So in addition, as you mentioned, some of the sports, I mean, I spend a majority of my time personally on football and basketball, but the agency is in golf and tennis um, and some other, some other areas, but those are the two other main areas of focus. And with that diversity, those were two sports that managed to get back up and playing as quickly, quicker than any other sport. So we were able to keep the lights on and keep the register ringing you know, as our clients were competing, there's still opportunities to make money. So while my side of the business, the marketing side, shut down initially and then ramped up as we got nimble and creative and resourceful, it certainly wasn't back financially until, you know, I'd say really within the last six to eight months is when we started feeling like we're really, really back. And that's when you started doing in-person events. I mean, you know, I always remember, I'll never forget this, my mother calling me saying, hey, the sports world shut down. Does that impact your business? <laughs> yeah, Ma, just a touch. <laughs> just a touch. And, and to bring things full circle for a sec, too, why your question, David, had so many different things. Nick Mangle, one of our guys, we did launch a line of barbecue sauce. And interestingly enough, we launched the sauce March 5th uh, of 2020 in Times Square, uh, a week before the world shut down. 
So, well, um, better than the week that the world shut down and you had to cancel the event, I suppose. So it was out. Did you have shelf space on it? We did. We had a little bit yeah. and we had virtual, you know, online. The, the online sales made things a lot oh, easier good. for us. So we, we did keep it going, but it was certainly not the best time to launch a new product. Well, I, for one, am going to find myself some of that barbecue sauce and, uh, and, and make sure to give it a try. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Now that now that the world's really going and, and you know everything is back and we're shooting commercials again and, and we're making in-person appearances and golf and tennis didn't lose any of that momentum, they only gained more momentum and our company started doing, you know, our clients perform better. We're achieving levels that we actually haven't achieved in quite some time. So about eight months ago, there was a sea change in, in uh, collegiate sports. Uh, when the NCA threw up their hands and said, yeah, we're going to let our athletes profit off their name, image, and likeness. And I know you guys have gotten into that. How much has that impacted, changed, affected your business? And and how so? I mean, I don't want to overstate this, but I think my life will never be the same. (laughs) I mean, it's changed every single aspect of our business because – everything suddenly just got a lot younger and you know now we're seeing some of the things like the golf and tennis side have seen for all these years where they were recruiting younger and younger players so we're finding that we had to get a lot younger a lot quicker and you need to start signing players you know as first off and the immediacy was it was like musical chairs where we were getting inbound phone calls from places like Alabama and, and, you know, Michigan state and all these big time universities that we might've really worked hard to sign one or two clients. We got to the point where we were saying, no, thank you. We just can't handle them all. And there's not enough opportunities to go around. So it just got us unbelievably younger, quicker. Uh, but we feel like establishing these relationships at an, at an earlier stage in their careers enable us to show proof of our capabilities to get to know one another and then continue to work with them as they make the transition to the next phase of their careers and then hopefully well into their retirement. What new challenges, though, did that present? I mean, you're going on to campuses really at any time at this point, and maybe even younger than that. Uh, you said that you got some of the inbound stuff, but from an outbound standpoint, what did what did that mean rather than, you know, waiting for that time when people were uh, used up their eligibility, particularly in basketball and football here? Um, what, did, what, what, you know, when you're going out there, what, is, what does that mean? It has to be all very different at yeah. that point. The challenges are significant. I mean, the challenges, one is just managing expectations. Because when, you know, if you remember early on to NIL, when like Nick Saban starts putting out there that Bryce Young made a million dollars, you know, eventually winning the Heisman, I'm sure he got there. But at the time, there, I'd wager a, a bet for sure that he, I know, he wasn't there. Yeah, I was a recruiting boy for sure. So look, it's in his best interest to make those statements, which I understand it helps recruiting, it helps everything. So one was managing expectations, two is managing our time, because what we're finding is the opportunities, they're great, they're actually real live marketing. It gives, you know, you're dealing with young men and women, you're dealing with people that are 
in school. They're supposed to be students. They're athletes. They're dealing with those schedules. And then you're dealing with corporations that are just not fully understanding all those those first two points. Time is sensitive. And, you know, they're working on a phone and they're sending us WeTransfer links to upload videos to social media. And then they need us to follow up and provide social media analytics and creative briefs and all sorts of things that these student athletes are not capable of handling. And then you couple it with their social media accounts aren't set up for business posts and, you know, boosted posts and all these nuances. And then you have to be on these platforms. You have to be on all the, all the open doors, open sponsorship, captivate and all these great platforms that are just another layer. So it's just really complicated everybody's lives a lot, but we understand the ramp up period is going to, is going to be long, but once we're there, then we feel like we're going to be established and cooking with gas on everyone. What types of things do you see coming down the pike that might simplify or streamline the process for you as an agent, for the athletes, for their athletic departments, for brands who are looking to cut deals with these young men and women? Um, you know, if you if you could sort of write the rules yourself right over the next couple of years, what, what would you like to see? Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know if all those go together, because like simplification <laughs> might not necessarily be what's right for us. I mean, I see a lot of, you know, people are doing a like the Brander group and then they're jumping in very quickly, becoming group licensing um, companies that are handling these types of programs. Then you have the advent of collectives. Now, collectives might simplify things, but it's ultimately, the, you know, it's just a way for, it seems to me, a lot of this is just a way for boosters and people to funnel money directly to the players. So I, I think if I could simplify things for us, it, it wouldn't allow some of these collectives. I think that that's really not going to be a good thing. You know, I'm sure you guys saw the story this week. An unknown player just signed an $8 million deal with uh, a collective. Our, our hope actually was that you were going to reveal that player. That was the big breaking news we wanted. That to, is the uh, big reveal. I'm waiting for the end of the podcast to make sure that everybody <laughs> stays tuned all the way through. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, we did read about that. And and it's it's a fascinating story. And, you know, there's so much of this that I feel good about, you know, for these for the athletes to finally be getting a chance to share in some of the money that's made here. But obviously some concerns about um, about where it can go and, and things like you're talking about here uh, and what does that affect competitive balance and so forth. Yeah, I'm sure there's no shortage of unscrupulous parties out there who would take advantage of these young men and women. Uh, that's, simply that's because, good. yeah, I'm sorry. simply because they could. No, they they've been doing it for for years in other ways, and um, it reflects badly on the industry. It reflects badly on uh, you know people who do it the right way, like agents like yourself. But uh, most importantly, it, it it harms it harms the kids, right? Uh, because that's exactly it. Yeah. And, and like you know, the transfer portal has become free agency where suddenly the, the players are putting themselves in the transfer portal saying, all right, I'm going to field whatever offers come in. And then I'm going to decide where I want to go to school. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not good for these kids. I don't think, and, and, I mean, I understand it's good. They should make money. And, and frankly, I don't even understand how some of the families were able to support their children. There's, you know, and go see all the games and travel all the time. So it's nice that we could help, offset some of that and bring some opportunities and let them make some money along the way. 
which is great. And even to the point you saw some players are deciding to stay in school another year because they're like, well, I can make some money in college. So why don't I just stay further my education, improve my draft position? Yeah, that's one of the things that I've heard is one of the another positive about the NIL is the ability that maybe kids are staying in school a little longer, working toward a degree. Um, I think we'll obviously have to wait to see if that all uh, shakes out that way. Um, you talked about social media before. I want to kind of go back to the, you know, the beginning of your career when, you know, none of us <laughs> knew what that was all about. Obviously, it's been a thing that's even more intensive as it relates to recruiting uh, athletes that are still in school or younger. Uh, but are you, just for our audience, are you, you know, in GSE and agencies like you and you personally directly involved with making sure not only that the, these kids are all set up in that way, uh, but uh, that they're that they're doing it right and they're posting the right way and actually getting involved in what it is that they're what they're putting out there, or is it more just working with the brands and then and then getting them to post those things? No, it, it's all the above, and every every situation is unique. We have some clients who come to us who are really proficient, and even the most proficient ones are still not proficient, as I alluded to earlier, on the business aspect of social media. You know, we have one, one client, uh, you know, Javon Quinterly down at University of Alabama, who is, he's got almost half a million Instagram followers. So he, he's pretty darn good at what he does. But then when it comes to the, hey, I need you to make sure that you're set up for business posts and boosted posts and shared partnerships, those are things he's not well versed in. So we're ramping up. And then back to what I said earlier, the company that wants you to get established you know, they're going to send you a 16 page PDF that, you know, the guys are just working on their phones. So how do you look at the instructions and then Instagram does an update and suddenly you can't even do the, the update. Uh, you know, they're giving you instructions how to do boosted posts, but the instructions don't match the Instagram. So we're spending a lot of time trying to educate. We do help clients if they want, we'll take it completely off their plate and we will do the posts but really just the professional post, the, the business post. We don't want to be there just saying, look at me, I'm in the you know, Big East Championship. Like that's got to be true and authentic. The, that's the one thing we're always constantly preaching is we don't care necessarily what it is that's your message, but just stay true and authentic to who you are because that's how you're going you're gonna to get the followers. You know, Try and have a consistent message, but, but keep it real to who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. So, Russ, I know you handle the marketing side of things. Um, what's for, for those of our listeners who aren't really that familiar with how your how the agency business works, right? There's a lot of people not in the sports industry whose, whose extent of knowledge extends as far as Jerry Maguire. Um, but if you can talk a little bit about sort of the difference between um, the marketing side and the contract or the playing contract side of the business and how they differ um, in terms of logistics and what you need to, to be licensed or qualified to do and things like that. Sure. Uh, first off, don't go on this side, go on that side. You'd, you'd be a fool. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm chasing nickels and, and you see, you know, when the worst players in every league are making seven figures, I don't know what I'm doing. Over this. <laughs> uh, You're you know, doing okay. You're hustling yeah. your ass, doing it, doing it well, my yeah. friend. Yeah. Um, 
Look, our, our jobs are really to leverage the platform of the particular sport that that personality is, is participating and, and help them achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. You know, some just, we sit down and we do a deep dive and we talk to them. What is it that you want to accomplish? Do you want to just make money? Do you want to see your name up in lights? Is it about commercials? Is it about philanthropy? Is it about establishing business connections for post-career? Do you want to be a coach, a broadcaster? Whatever these things that you want to achieve, then we're going to tailor our plan to help you accomplish those things. So we're dealing with who they are, pretty much everything outside of the day job, the sport that they play. We might talk to them about their on-field performance, and that's going to impact what we do. But the reality is, you know, the nuances of the new baseball CBA and the, and the draft and, and matters like that, it, it doesn't necessarily impact our roles and responsibilities. So the agent is, you know, their job is, is preparing them for the draft, preparing them for free agency and preparing them, making sure they have all the tools and assets they need for off season to prepare them for the next season dietitians nutritionists you know things like that where we're going to more work on everything else everything that they deal with outside of once they leave the team facility that's going to fall under our purview uh thanks appreciate the uh the background on that i think that was very helpful listen i want to take a bit of a a, a change here obviously the mlb lockout situation was settled um, I, I don't want you to have to go into the details of, uh, of your opinion on, um, on agents and, and uh, you know, in that particular situation. But obviously, there has been some reporting about um, influence of an agent on how that, how that vote ended up going and coming down. So all I wanted to kind of get from your perspective is when it comes to the, to the labor issues, and you can even talk about it in terms of the you know marketability of of athletes. But wh where do you see the role during times like that of the agent in advising their clients on what's best for them, um, what's best for them from a future, what's best for the for the sport and the players' organization as a whole? Look, okay. I mean, you can't generalize necessarily that all players aren't fully versed in the matters of collective bargaining and and things like that. But a, a, a huge percentage are really proficient and good at what they do, but don't necessarily pay attention to those matters. So I think the role of the agent is to educate them how these decisions are going to impact them and how it's going to impact their successors and the people that are going to come after them. Because the, a lot of them are thinking about, you know, either just what their particular sport and when they can get back to work and start earning. And they're not necessarily looking at it from how is this going to impact, you know, everyone else, even your children and, and children that are going to come into those sports. So I think that's the role of the agent is to really just make sure that the players understand the, the global impact of these current decisions. You know, like the, the last collective bargaining agreement, it seemed that the players won by a landslide. And, and that's what got baseball to this point, that the owners had to lock them out. And I think that at that time, you know, it, it, it was the agents were saying, this is great. This is great. Let's go. But then when, you know, you get here, the agents are advising what they believe is in the players and really, frankly, their long-term best interest. 
So I think that's sort of just making sure that they're up to speed on everything and not just understanding that this is about you getting to work. There's a greater good here. Talk to us a little about this idea that, you know, we know that particularly at a young age, the money may be incredibly important, an opportunity to earn, especially when they haven't been able to as as players, even if they're going to be a high draft pick uh, and theoretically earn a fair amount of money moving forward. How hard is it sometimes to talk people off of a deal that you and your heart know is may know is not right for them, either from a brand lineup standpoint or just because the the situation's not right even though the money might be good yeah i i i find that we're probably on the other side of that more often we're we're trying to convince them that it is good than trying to talk them out of accepting a deal um but it's just sort of again you know the only thing i say is like let, let's let's be accountable and don't talk out of both sides of your mouth this is the let me refresh your memory. This is the conversation we had way back when. And this these are the things that you told me you were interested in. These are the kinds of partnerships. These are the situations that you want to be involved in. Because really, like I said, David, that, that it's more us trying to convince them that it does work. Because I think what's happening is the salaries escalate and escalate and escalate. The marketing side can't always keep up with that where you, you have players literally making a million dollars a week at this point in certain sports. So how in the world am I going to come up with marketing partnerships that are going to move the needle for them? So what we're trying to do is find other aspects of this. Again, hearkening back to the conversation we had in the beginning, what is it that is important to you? So we want to appeal to that. We want to appeal to, you remember when you said you really cared about this cause? or you cared about you know, setting yourself up for your broadcast career. This, this weekly podcast opportunity might not pay you what your time is worth, we get that, but it's gonna lay the foundation for a post-career broadcasting relationship. I was trying to give you the opportunity to you know, shed some of the reputation of the agents that are constantly just trying to sell and sell and sell their clients on every well, deal coming in, which I know you don't do. Never. The joke, the joke that we have, we have three sales on every sale. You got to sell the company, you got to sell the player on accepting it, and then three months later, you got to sell them on doing what they committed to three months prior. Because <laughs> I, I look, I have that well, all the time. I, I know this, Russ. That when I've done deals with you, that I I know that you're always on that stuff for me. So I I'll tell appreciate you what, that. I mean, it's it like the, the NIL stuff is all well and good too. But like these, some of the guys are like they love to say yes, but then it's like NIL. They're really the companies are leaving the kids up to their own devices to shoot the commercials, and then it's like, yeah, I know I said yes, but wait, I got to go shoot a commercial my own, and then I have to post it, and I have to provide the analytics and suddenly the follow through falls through. Hey, listen, we are, we're really excited to hear that, that business is uh, doing well for you and you're, you're back to being where you want to be, but it sounds like you have so many new things on your plate. And uh, yeah. uh, so best we, uh, we, uh, there's a couple things we always like to do at the end of segments with guests. And the first one is to let us know how you got your start in this. Where'd your career get started? Where'd you start it? I am forever grateful to my fairy godmother, 
who hates that I call her that, Amy Ehrlich. Uh, <laughs> I was at, uh, I'm a UMass grad and I did an internship when I was in school. And when I went to, I went to UMass and I did an internship, I took a semester off my senior year and I left college when everybody was just partying and I left and I did an internship. I went back to school and Amy called me and said, Hey, I got a job waiting for you, but I need you to start the day after graduation. And I said, Hey, can I take a day off? And she said, okay. And that was my first negotiation. And I won. <laughs> uh, and, and then I literally, I have not stopped working ever since. I mean, I don't want to bore you guys with the story of how I tripped over sports marketing in the first place, but please uh, tell us. All right. I'll just, just really quick. I'll tell you that at UMass, you need to get into the business school and you needed to be or better and a 3.0 in all your classes. Wait, what? What's a bit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had uh, stats 140 with Babak Ayur. Never forget them. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. at the other side of campus. Suffice it to say, I never made it there. And I got a D. And uh, they wouldn't <laughs> let me into the business school. So the next closest thing at the time, believe it or not, the afterthought was sports management. So I couldn't get into the business school and get a marketing degree. And they said, and I was like a stanza. I'm like, well, I like sports. <laughs> and then I just, I went into sports management. And then sports management got me an internship. Yeah. That's why I'm a huge advocate for internships. And I tell everybody, don't come during the summertime. I know it stinks. Take a semester off of school. Do an internship when you could do real work. Summer internships, everybody's running around, golfing, vacationing, doing whatever. There's not as much real business. Real business happens during the school year, too. Well, it's really refreshing to hear somebody tell the real reason why and how they got into sports. Yeah. So many people create Very these true. apocryphal tales of, <laughs> of it. But And in our last question we like to ask, Russ, is what is one piece of advice and you've given a, you've given a great one there, but um, any other advice you have for for people looking to get into the industry? Yeah, I, I mean, look, obviously the networking and all that stuff is important. And I, I'm learning now because I have two kids in college. Uh, one's about to graduate. One's a freshman and dealing with that balance of being a, a, a young adult and being forward thinking and thinking about your future. But I, I would encourage people, you got to get out there. You got to get active. You got to get real experience because it's networking and you could find out what you like. And frankly, you could find out what you don't like because not everybody comes through and says, this is my life. This is my future. So I, you just have to get real practical experience. I value that so much more than I'll ever value your major, your grades or anything like that. And your alma mater, frankly, it's like, you know, I have one guy working for me now. He graduated without a job and he launched his own NIL agency. And you know what? I said, that's that's the kind of ambition, creativity, entrepreneurship that I'm impressed with. And, and he's been phenomenal since he came through our doors. So I, the one thing I'd say, just get real practical experience. I understand you got to be young, but you also got to be forward thinking, too. There's a balance there. Yeah, we'll never let you hear the end of it if we ever hear that you've busted on somebody for having a bad grade in stats. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> exactly. Babak, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Russ, really appreciate you taking the time with us. Uh, uh, great, great discussion. Good luck with everything during tournament and recruiting time, which I guess is 365 now. So Yeah, exactly. All right. Exactly. I really appreciate you guys. This is fun. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Russ Spielman of GSC, uh, another one of our great guests. Thank you so much. Um, really learned a lot from Russ. Uh, here's a segment that we uh, we want to make a regular part of the show where we take questions from sports management students across the country. Is there something you'd like to know? Is there something you'd like to know? Ask us and we'll answer it on this show. This week, we've got uh, a question from Matt Rosignac of St. John's University. Uh, I am on the faculty at St. John's. I've been there for six years as a member of the Division of Sport Management faculty. Great program. Uh, Matt listened to our podcast uh, where we had Clay Larashi from Tops on, and he has a question for us. I'll read to you and uh, love to get your take on it as well, David. So. Matt writes, I know you discussed the innovation Tops has done with NFTs, but with NFTs and other digital collectibles, will the card industry see any dive in popularity or even die eventually? Thanks for your question, Matt. Um, in my opinion, the short answer is no. Um, I think it's, uh, it's going to continue to be very complementary towards physical trading cards. I think as you see, uh, more innovation by companies like Tops um, and their new owners at Fanatics, Panini, and Upper Deck. Um, you'll start to see more and more of the merging of the physical and the digital worlds. Um, I do think, as, as Matt thinks, that NFTs are here to stay. Um, but I also believe that trading cards are here to stay as well. Yeah, I think that's a good take, Tim. Um, I do think that it is going to absolutely put a premium on innovation and uh, making the two universes, if you will, work well together, yet at the same time separately. And by that, I mean that there's going to have to be, I think, an effort to make the collectible aspect and the fun aspect that you talk about all the time, uh, even more important, particularly for younger, uh, younger fans uh, that really do want to do it and aren't yet thinking necessarily about the collectible aspect or anything and the importance of, of NFTs and blockchain, you know, to that whole process. So listen, all of these things, I think just, you know, kind of push the companies to be better, find new markets, find new ways to do it. Uh, but I agree, I think both should and will um, uh, live and live on uh, some of it. The, and there will be some overlap and then there will be some lanes that are individual for the individual sides of it. Yeah, I think if you look at what Topps did recently, they had an auction for an NFT depicting Mickey Mantle's iconic 1952 um, Topps card, and it sold for about four hundred and seventy thousand um, dollars in an auction. Uh, and as part of uh, as part of your winning bid, that person got a meet and greet with um, with uh, Mickey Mantle's sons. 
So again, that merging of the physical and digital worlds um, is something that I think you'll see more and more of. Um, unlike the 1952 actual mantle card, this is truly a one of one collectible. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if it trades again uh, on a secondary market in the NFTs. Um, we'll see if they, you know, because Tops has, you know, over 70 years of archival content. We'll see what else they eventually put up for for auction and NFTs and, and what kind of revenue that generates. There's no shortage of iconic cards that they can do that with. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great question. Let's wrap up the show. Um, this is the part of the show where we talk about what we're looking forward to in the upcoming week. So, David, I'll ask you, um, what are you looking for, forward well, to in the sports business and sports world over the next week? I am certainly assuming I'm going to be watching a fair amount of basketball. I have to check out the NIT now because after I after I jinxed my Wake Forest Demon Deacons in the their first game of the ACC tournament against BC, they were shut out of a bid and therefore playing in the NIT. So I'll watch a few of those games on ESPN, I, I hope. But, you know, something caught my eye that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. And I certainly feel like it's going to be the wave of the future. Um, we know that the, you know, how successful the Manning cast was on football games this year. Playfly Sports, who has a big tie to the college space um, and campus ties, is doing a Second screen experience with Michi for Michigan State games. I don't have Michigan State going that far, by the way, so I may only be able to watch watch one. But they uh, uh, they've grabbed on an NIL deal a couple football players to host a second screen broadcast and follow the game and engage with fans. I think it's a great idea. I'm excited to see how it goes. They have sponsors on board, therefore the ability to pay these guys. So it's a great convergence of streaming, and it's going to be on on Facebook Live but PlayFi is producing it. So it's a convergence of a lot of things going on, including the NIL space. So I'm excited to see how they pull it off. That's really interesting to, to hear about. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that as well. And like you, I'll be watching a ton of basketball this weekend, but I'll also be watching and following the baseball news because you're, you've compressed the entire free agency market and trade market to these next few weeks. Um, so it'll be exciting to see, and I'll probably – uh be jonesing for some spring training games this weekend <laughs> as well um you know I'm, i i will watch a baseball game anytime anywhere at any level so i'm just really excited to see that back well that is why these streaming deals got cut huh yeah exactly uh -huh. hey before we sign off we'd like to thank the national sports marketing network for their ongoing support for over 20 years the national sports marketing network has been a valuable resource for people in the sports industry so Check them out at sportsmarketingnetwork.com. So with that, let's say goodbye. Thank everybody for listening. We will be back next week uh, with another exciting guest. David, thanks for uh, another great podcast. Thank you. Right, see you, everybody.